I'm Dustin Zahn, and this is Trainwrecks. This is part two of our discussion with Cosmic TRG and Truncate. Um, if you don't know who they are, that means that you didn't listen to part one. Uh, the intro talks a little bit about who they are, and we follow up with them on the show. So go ahead and take a listen to that. Then come on back and see what we're getting into here on the next part of the show. Um, I will mention one thing that I totally forgot to include in the intro of the last episode. Cosman has his own radio show on NTS Radio. I believe it's once a month. And don't quote me on this, but I believe it's the last Wednesday. You might want to check out his Facebook page or NTS Radio for more information. But the show is two hours long, and it's just Cosman going through and playing some of uh, his favorite records that he bought in the last couple months, telling you about uh, where where it comes from and all that kind of fun shit. Uh, so if you like ambient stuff, uh, minimal techno, not not the diggest stuff, but, you know, cool stuff, and, uh, you know, some more contemporary banging things, check it out. Uh it's a really nice show, and I hope he keeps doing it. It's a nice thing. Uh, one thing I do want to do before I get in the next episode, because it's my show, I can do what I want. I want to rant about security guards. Um, basically, what I've noticed in a lot of nightclubs and festivals, uh, raves, basically wherever there's music, doesn't matter the genre. Maybe it's a rock concert. Maybe it's a hip-hop show. Maybe you're at, uh, I don't know, whatever techno festival. But I'm getting really tired of seeing security guards so blatantly in your face at these shows. For example, you know, you, you've seen it where it's like a couple of dudes. They're big, tough, burly, uh, bald, standing head to toe in black with the earpiece on, just kind of looking out in the crowd eyes darting around to see if they can catch anyone smoking weed or or fighting or doing whatever the hell it is that they got to bust people for. And, um, you know, the thing is, is it's you want people to come and enjoy the music and really get into it. You want them to, you know, escape whatever problems they're having that week or in that point in their life. And, uh, you know, it's hard to lose control when you're in a controlled environment. So, when you got security guards breathing down your neck, it just it makes it feel like less of a party. So if you're a club owner or throwing concerts or festival stuff, my suggestion is don't get rid of security. Just chill out a little bit. You know, maybe have them dressed down in normal clothing, uh, kind of walk through the crowd and just get a few uh, ideas of what's going on and kind of take care of problems that way. Uh, I guarantee the party will go off more when people feel more comfortable and like they're not being herded around like cattle in the square dark box with a couple of lights and loud music. Um, and the other part of it is I don't think it's really going to make the you know potential trouble any worse than it already is. In fact, it might even enable your security guards to catch some serious um, issues even more quickly than than they would just being out there in, in the open. Um, that's all I really have to say about that. Enjoy the episode. Cosman, go ahead and say hello so they kind of uh, know what your voice sounds like. Hey, guys. David? Hey, guys. 
All right, so uh, Oliver wants to know is uh, how we catch up with new inspirations after a super busy weekend before going back into the studio. Hmm. I don't know. For me, usually after a weekend, I'm kind of chilling out and regrouping. Um, but sometimes, maybe not every weekend, sometimes a lot of inspiration comes from the gigs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll play new music and see what works on the dance floor and they'll give me ideas of what I could do in the future. But yeah, it's hard week in, week out to get, I don't know, to get that much inspiration for me. Cosman? It takes me, sometimes it takes me weeks to get back into the mm-hmm. like studio mode. So I think I, I think I work a little bit differently. So, yeah. um, I do get inspired, uh, by hearing other people's sets. Like I, um, I, even if I don't consciously watch it, like sometimes I just listen, I, I listen to a set and I see people's reaction to, um, you know, different, different kinds of tracks. And then I would use that sort of information uh, when I make a track. Uh, and more often than not, it's it's all about uh, taking things out of a track rather than adding like melodies and effects and stuff like that. Actually, another way I get inspiration as well is like usually on long flights home, I listen to podcasts. And not necessarily techno, but just other kinds of music, like a weird variety of music. And that kind of inspires me as well. That's something I should say. That that helps me. Yeah. I I actually find the inspiration doesn't necessarily come after the weekend. For me, it's usually before. Because you're getting new music. and. Well, I mean, I guess as far as writing stuff goes, like, for example... uh, some of the last stuff that I did on drum code and like I have uh, something coming on actually I'm I can't say it's another bigger label this summer but I have to sign the contract yet um, that was actually kind of left over from that period I did like I don't know I think three or four awakenings parties in like six months I was just doing like all these like massive you know five to ten thousand person parties and since I don't really have a lot of that kind of big breakdown kind of stuff anymore that's what forced me to kind of write tracks like that like i did born spark and stuff like that those are tracks that were i was like shit i went into the studio because i wanted to have something of my own to play in that environment as opposed to so i did it proactively rather than um reactively i guess you'd say Mm. so that's how i approach the my inspiration part of it so um one other question that I was thinking about is like you actually I don't know if you did it on your personal page or um or actually on any of your pages, but we were talking about like Mala the other day and some of the old bass cuts and stuff like that. Uh do you still listen to that music a lot or follow it or is that off your radar now? I yeah, it's completely off my radar unfortunately. Just because I don't have the the time for it really. Mm-hmm. Um but you and, still seem like you have the appreciation for it, like in the, the nostalgia for it and whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I, uh, I came back after a gig a few weeks ago, and I put on some, uh, you know, some pretty anthemic uh, dubstep tracks on, just because I, I was, I was kind of missing that, um, that energy that came with those tracks, and uh, it was also more about the the vibe of those events 
uh, I'm pretty sure I was, you know, uh, a contemporary of uh, some some really historic events right then. Um, as I was in London, 2006, 2007, uh, at the apex of the, you know, the dubstep era. And um, I went to, uh, I went to DMZ, I uh, went to Mass, I went to uh, Forward, I went to Plastic People. So you did it all. Those, like, those places have, like, a certain, uh, you know, place in, in, in time and in music history. Uh there are very few um, um, parties or very few music events that uh, have the same the same energy and the same uh, place in in history, really. Yeah, I mean, I you know, to be honest, I didn't. I'm kind of curious about like what the atmosphere was like because, uh, well, obviously now in the United States, dubstep is big, but really. The th- the thing is, is it was never quite like the true stuff. It was always like the bro steppy, uh, yeah. EDM side of things. So I don't really know. Like you know, you hear about like how the sound system is just fucking insane, and it's just kind of heaving. And like I, you know, uh, do you have any personal experiences or oh, yeah. stories? Yeah, yeah. Um, there was this, uh, you know, DMZ at uh, uh, at Mass. There was, there was this this legendary uh, uh, club event. That wasn't. It wasn't a club. It was more of a more like a like a church experience. It was in an actual church, actually. So uh, that that's why it was called mass. And okay. uh, there was another, if I'm not mistaken, this is like ten years ago. Maybe you know I get my wires crossed a little bit. But there was another uh, event in the same venue called Third Base, and I think DMZ started at Third Base, but I'm, I'm I might be wrong. Um, and that was. Um, you know, like when I when I went there, I went there after the my first ever gig in in the UK it was in Bristol, uh, and I think that was '06 or '07, and uh, it was right when it started getting really big, and the the line um, um, the line for DMZ was like out going outside the park and like into the actual. Like the the side streets and it was it was really really crazy, and once I got there, it was pretty uh, it was pretty pretty clear to me that it wasn't uh, it wasn't gonna be like an actual uh, music like a club night. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was more like an experience for for me. It was almost like a like an art installation. It was more like a like a like, like an experimental a, theater, like a presentation thing. maybe. Yeah, because it was. Um, you know, people were dancing, people were, you know, uh, responding to the music, but everything was so intense. Like the sound was so intense. You couldn't imagine it. It was, I mean, like what was it like a wall of sound or was yeah. it a particular sound system or, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I don't know if it was a function one or something similar. It just, was just like super subby and, um, back then the music was so stripped, uh, of like, any other elements than uh, kick drums, bass. There was a, like a very powerful sign, uh, sub um, and just a little melody on top. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just crazy. Like the, the walls were shaking, like your pupils were shaking with the bass drop. It was so, so intense. And it didn't take much. Like it, it didn't take many elements to achieve that. It was mm-hmm. just, you know, drums, usually very, very sparse, very, very... Uh, 
you know, minimal, yeah. um, and loads of sub. Kind of like like old school drum and bass when you think about it. True, or like, like the jump up beat. stuff. And, yeah, yeah, like a break beat and like a really dope bass line. That's all you needed. Yeah. You but can say that about, about any dance genre, really. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but no, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you know, and when you talk about like the sparsity and everything, we we talk about this stuff. I I think it was. Uh, I don't know if it was yesterday, but I know it was this weekend, 10 years ago, as when the first Burial album came out. Right. And uh, I don't know if... Do you guys know what Eurovision is? Well, you do, but do you know what yeah. it is, Dave? It's basically like a song contest in Europe, and I think it's generally shit. But the funny thing about the winner this year is if you listen to the track, it sounds like they ripped off a Burial track. Like, it's totally a Burial beat, and then the girl sings over it. Uh, I... I tried to like listen to it sort of in the airport and I couldn't really, I can't tell if it's shit or not, but it's the beats well done. You know what I mean? Obviously, but it's interesting that it's already 10 years ago. Now that whole world, but I mean, obviously if anybody that follows you, there's a lot of people that have no clue that you did that kind of stuff back then. Cause it's, oh, yeah, this thing sure. moves every sure. two or three years, you know? And, um, uh, who was I with? Uh, it was last week I was talking to somebody about something. We brought up, you, uh, Dave, you and uh, Moe's remix of uh, a track of mine on Droid. I think I was maybe with Kyle or somebody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The analog and it, God. Yeah, and it's just like this digga 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 yeah, kind yeah. of shuffly stuff. And like, Ooh, there's a lot of people that don't even know that exists. Yeah, you know, someone true. someone said earlier, um, you know, for Cosmic, what was the worst <laughs> track you ever released? <laughs> and that, well, that I didn't feel that record was the worst record I ever released, but I do think in that era there were some that i released oh, yeah. some pretty bad ones man i mean well, I, I i'm the same i think there was like remixes and uh that yeah but then again that's that comes to the point i was making before it's like back then it was kind of like you know you didn't hate it when you released it did you or no i mean i was into it i thought it was <laughs> yeah, cool you see <laughs> then you look back at it now and you're like oh jesus because yeah. actually that's funny you say that because um, just recently I was on Beatport and I was, out of curiosity I went to my audio injection page on Beatport and there's all these old tracks being re-released from like 2008 and 9 that are for some reason re-licensed yeah. and I'm like gee this is like so dated sounding I'm like who's re-licensing these tracks and why you know like old early audio injection stuff that's yeah. like super minimal and like kind of silly sounding just and, not it was just dated like it's irrelevant. yeah and then it's like it shows up in the new release section and i'm like oh why are they doing that well the thing is is these people it's it's kind of crazy actually i had the same thing i noticed uh i had this old <clears throat> record on paco as soon as mindshake label and i mean a couple of tracks on there was one track on there i really hate now but one of them i still think is pretty cool and everything but one they took off the record was just it doesn't Stand up to the test of time today, but I saw that it got re-released on Beatport and all those sites. Yeah. I think like eleven times in one year or, or something like that, and I was like, finally, like, what's going on? So you know, I wrote the the manager of the label, and I was just like, are, are you guys re-licensing this? And they're like, actually, they had no clue. Oh, and it turns out, and it wasn't just this track. Uh, oh. There was actually a couple other people like. I, it's at least one, if not multiple companies, like they just kind of find a name that had like a, maybe a B-Port top 10 hit at the time. And then re just take, they basically steal shit. They buy the waves oh. of a track and then they're like, oh yeah, we got it for this compilation. 
And then, so these, like, there was no deals ever signed. They just took the waves, re-uploaded them, and called it a compilation. And they took all, I don't think anybody bought the shit because nobody would buy that kind of music in this day and age. But let's say that, you know, 4,000 people did buy a track of mine. Like, I would never have seen a cent because these guys were just fucking criminals. That's funny you say that because actually when I was going through that stuff, there's this remix that me and Drum Cell did. And it was, it came out, I don't know, 2008 or maybe nine. And it's been relicensed, I don't know, this year alone, probably like six or seven times. And I've seen it pop up. That makes me wonder if they did the same thing. It was this remix for like these guys, Spectre or something. Huh. And uh, yeah, I've seen it pop up a lot. That'd be hilarious if someone just, if people were just releasing it without any knowledge. Could be. What about you, Cosman? Did you ever? <laughs> well, mm-hmm. it's, it's happened to me that um, like in the last few years, whenever I put something out, uh, this one record label uh that i that i released like one single yeah. thing on like of course oh seven or oh yeah. eight they would put it out again they would like put out the stuff <laughs> but that was like oh yeah but that was like you know 10 years ago and there was you know every time best something of past, new yeah, of best, mine would yeah. would uh would come up I and mean, usually around something like an album or like a big label release mm-hmm. so they would just ride on the back of it yeah, a little bit yeah. i was just like it's pissed me off so much oh man i mean i guess that's gonna happen a little bit like um well it used to be for record labels you would do they would sign some deals you do okay you got three records three albums and then you do the greatest hits compilation and then you're you can renew the contract or or leave the company and um that's the thing though because like let's say uh you did have a hit on one of those first three albums they would immediately put it on a compilation of like uh whatever they could find that would relate to each other you know what i mean like there used to be even like in a lot of punk rock they would do compilations all the time because yeah. all the tracks were two minutes it'd be like 30 tracks or whatever and you know it's just kind of ridiculous so it's it's not exclusive to dance music but it yeah. is a bit silly yeah but it just rehashes these old tracks where you're kind of like, oh god, well yeah, like, why I'm just is like, this coming well, up again? You know, why, why not at least pick a good old track of mine? <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? That's what like, I mean. Like they never pick up the greatest. Ones. Yeah, you know, like that's the thing. They they never take the hits, which is uh, surprising. You know what I mean? Um, but whatever. <laughs> what can you do? Um, let's see. What's your go-to source for drum sounds? Is what someone asked. Nine oh nine. I don't. For me, it is. Can't go wrong with that. Cosman. Oh, dude, I have like millions of samples, and like I've been through so many drum machines, and like to this day, whenever I start a new track, I just agonize over all the drums. I'm like, I I don't have the perfect kick. I don't have the perfect snare. I don't. I do have the perfect hi hat, which is the nine oh nine hi hat. Like that's <laughs> yeah. that's the one. Always that's works, the, man. That's just perfect. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. Like no matter no matter how many uh like pieces of gear I get, no matter how many samples I chase. Um. Yeah, it's always gonna be something uh. Something of a chore. Cosman, do you have the sake? No. Where the hell did it go? Did you just drink it all? It's got to be on. So, oh, you know what? Can you grab it out of the refrigerator? It's in the door. Co-host. <laughs> um, I have to say, for me, for drum sounds, it's uh, it's well. I mean, I have drum machines and I can use those, but I, to be honest, a lot of the time, I use Machina. 
Um, it's got a huge library. Um, and it's, it's not just like dance music sounds like a lot of my tracks with the percussion and stuff. I'm trying to go out of my way to use hi hats and, you know, rim shots and stuff that aren't like the typical ones that would be used. Like if I'm doing techno in a techno track, just cause I think it's a bit interesting. Like I did this track called the mouth of the month of the mouth of Montreal. And, um, basically that one was done with all kind of jazz drums and it wasn't trying to make it. It's not a jazz track at all. I mean, it's a, it's a basically a Jack track. Is it jazzy though? Not at all. That's the thing. Uh, but they're just different sounds. And I think it's really interesting to try and apply those kind of things sometimes. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I still use 909 kick and shit like that all the time, but it's cool to vary it up once in a while. So also layering drums is important especially kick drums a lot of people ask me that like how do you get your kick drums like that and you know it is a i do use a 909 kick drum a lot but i could layer 808 or some weird acoustic kick drum under with some reverb to get some weird bassy thumpy effect too so layering is also important for me yeah i mean i I think it's basically essential especially if you want to have powerful kicks but the thing is is not you know, if you're going to make a groovy techno track, it, you don't it need doesn't a need, huge yeah, kick exactly. Drum. So it depends what you're getting into. <clears throat> True that. Um, still looking through other things that people sent in here. Uh, more on, less on the studio side of things. Have you guys seen anything lately, documentaries or movies or whatever that's kind of doing it for you? I just saw The Revenant on the airplane. I thought that was pretty good. On the little TV screen? Yeah, you know. Yeah, well. man. I'll tell you what, in the theater it was... Uh, it was really crazy to watch on IMAX. I mean, uh, I don't know that it was my favorite movie, but it looked cool. Looked. What do you think? Cosmo? It was good. Well, it? I watched it. I watched it a couple of times. Uh, I didn't watch it in a theater though, so I can't. I can't really comment. Oh, and I also, I also saw the Hateful Eight on on airplane. That's a decent airplane movie, though, in my opinion. I saw, isn't I saw it like it supposed to be? Too. Isn't it supposed to be this ultra widescreen? Like, what is that? I know film. It's it's say, but shame to watch it on such a small screen. But yeah, at the same time, the I don't think it good. warrants like that much of a you know like totally so attention to detail. But it was like a pretty not. obvious Quentin Tarantino movie, though. Oh yeah, like, big time. Like it was good, but like I I kind of knew what was gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It, but again, like all those movies, it's about the dialogue. Yeah, I know something we can bitch about though. Vinyl, not the not the actual format, but the show. Oh, uh, I've only seen one episode. Jeez. Me and Cosman fucking hate the show with a passion. Yet we've seen all the episodes. It's like one of those car crashes that you just can't take your eyes. I off only of. saw the first one. So uh, it was hard it was too. like I I couldn't I couldn't wait for the, <laughs> for it to I was be really over. Ex- <laughs> no, I couldn't wait for the next episode to get like really really disappointed. It oh, was just geez. like there was no end to my disappointment. It was so bad. I think it just went incredibly wrong. Yeah, I mean the thing about the show is is like when when it was first announced, I thought like this was a no brainer. This is the next awesome HBO show that I can't <laughs> wait to watch, and. The first uh, episode is two hours. It's yeah. directed by Martin Scorsese. Right. The direction's good. Don't get me wrong, but um, just it's kind of like a bad version of Mad Men. Like it's very uh, like over the top. Like I'm uh, not melodramatic, but just almost immature. Like Wolf of Wall Street because it is a Scorsese thing. So it's like in Mad Men, it was you know <clears throat> being set back in the day. Mm-hmm. It was very much a man's world, and you mm-hmm. know goes men. Child, 
woman, whatever. And like in this show, it's the same format where they're like they don't really give women the respect they deserve. Yeah. But it's almost like way more immature. And who know? I mean, I wasn't around back then. Maybe that was more realistic. But all I know is like I've already seen this done, and this just seems stupid. And for a show about. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. There was not enough sex or drugs in there, <laughs> or rock and roll. For or that ro- yeah. And what's with what's up with Ray Romano being in there? Like, I can't. It's take really the guy strange. Seriously. Ray Romano doing coke, and is he's a, like, a cut, like saying bad words. I'm like, really? But, like, he's like everybody loves Ray. He's Ray. actually. He's a, but the thing is, is he he's actually one of the the. He's not even really one of the problems of the show. And actually, was it Bobby Cavallero or Cavallari, the the main dude? The main yeah, dude. yeah. That guy was fucking incredible in Boardwalk Empire as Chip. Like, oh yeah, he was one of those guys that was on TV that like you hate him, you can't wait for him to die, but you're like, I hope he doesn't die on the show because it just you just like this. What a character! So when I found out that he was also going to be the main star, I'm like, oh, the show's going to be awesome. (laughs) And it's terrible because it's like it. It just kind of it seems. I don't know. What do you think, Hasan? I I think is I think is. Performance was kind of too over the top cartoonish. Yeah. Like the mm. drug taking was cartoonish. It was like that, I guess that's what I thought about melodramatic. Like it was yeah. overdone. Yeah, it was exaggerated. It, yeah, it was overdone. And like when you uh, when you watch him in uh, in Boardwalk Empire, that's 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 a very very good performance. And you actually believe that he was like such a you know like a badass Italian dude who's going to take over uh, yeah. the city. Um, but I didn't believe him as an a and r no. i didn't believe him as like a force of nature that does coke and survives yeah. a, like, like there's the a building. method to the madness yeah is is the show based on a true story or well it's or? like boardwalk it's loosely based like loosely the first sorry. episode has the mercer building falling yeah. uh to the new york dolls which that happened in real life but um and i mean like i'm not really actually i won't you know He's in the building when it falls. That's in the notes of the show. But like how it happens, like the way they film it, it wouldn't be possible for him to survive. But of course, he's the main character. He survives in the show. So I'm not ruining it. But, you know, it's just kind of shit like that where... Isn't it also like produced by Mick Jagger or something or... Yeah, Somehow and I think that's kind of why it by? goes wrong, personally. <laughs> and his kid is actually in it. And the, the, the premise of the show, for those who don't know, is it's set in the late 70s. Arguably, they don't quite say this record label that was kind of hot shit for a while is going the way of the past and whatnot. And they're on the edge of bankruptcy. And, you know, they kind of have these stupid cameos of uh, like legendary artists, but from really poor actors. Well, the first one was like, what was it, Alice Cooper? Or they that, to Robert them Plant. And, and, and then <laughs> the next, and then the, and the Alice like, Cooper looks terrible. The third one is like, David Bowie, like three weeks after he died, it yeah, was just like not so even coal in his grave yet. <laughs> and so, so Mick Jagger's son is another one of the main stars who happens to be like the fucking punk rock answer that's going to save everything. So you got this guy that made his money off of like Donny Osborne and shit. Like all of a sudden, he saw the New York Dolls and he's like, "I'm fucking totally into punk rock now." And these punk rock guys are going to take us into the future. And that's yeah. the whole premise of the show. Oh, okay. And not it's not just about punk rock, but that's like they're kind of banking on them off of that, you know. And I I, I don't want to say much more because I don't want to ruin it. But like just everything that goes together doesn't make sense. And for every like really like really well paid attention to the detail of like certain scenes that you pick up on things or like uh, they'll drop a really obscure note from a band or something like that. They'll totally fuck it up 
And like for example, they were playing Motley Crue's uh, "Girls, Girls, Girls" in the first episode. Uh, the show's set in the '70s. That song doesn't come out for like probably six to eight years yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just it. It's like that one movie that Heath Ledger was in that where they're like uh, oh, knights dude. back in the day, but I they're playing like rock music and all about. that shit. Wasn't it like? Uh, was that Romeo and Juliet or something? No, but it, it you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know? couldn't stand that. So it just it wasn't uh, <laughs> it wasn't really well executed. And uh, no, there's a there's a movie that was uh, I think it was like Marie Antoinette, where it takes place like way back in like I don't know 16, 1700s, mm-hmm. and like all the music is current. They're playing oh, yeah. like Susie and the Banshees, and they're like at a ball. And I'm like, I just. Oh, geez, I couldn't stand it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get that you kind of want to be artistic and try it out or something, no, but it man, doesn't. It doesn't work, work man. <laughs> you know, there's going to be a way worse one, I think. What's that? So Baz Luhrmann is gonna um, is gonna direct a show that's called The Get Down. It's for Netflix. It will focus on late seventies New York and how the city, riven by social and financial problems, spawned disco, hip hop, and punk from CBGBs to Studio Fifty Four. He's gonna Uh-oh. fucking kill that era as well. It's gonna be all about drugs. And no, it's just, it's gonna be musical. And it's gonna be like vinyl, but worse. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I I don't. Whatever whatever Baz Luhrmann touches, I think just turns to shit. I'm what else? I don't know his name particular. What else has he done? Uh, have you seen the like the Great Gatsby, the oh, new one? That the, yeah, dude, the new movie. Uh, yeah, no. he just he just killed. That was that another novel. one that played new music. It takes place in like the twenties or 30s oh yeah, they, they play, play like, like Jay Z. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like, dude. Yeah, I was like, what's going so on? Oh man, why would you do that? It's like the greatest <laughs> American novel, and you kill it with fucking Jay Z. Like, don't, <laughs> don't, just respect so, the thing. So it's not worth the watch vinyl at all or is it kind of like I don't a know. bad well, wreck I mean like dude you're on a plane often you're going to India this week it's kind of like well I don't know if if, if you get there's Should titties I? all over the screen on some episodes so you might want to like want, wanna, don't want to watch that on the plane <laughs> you can just hit the hit the brightness button turn it down a bit yeah. but um I mean if you got nothing to do I guess throw it on for a laugh but it's it's really optional you mm-hmm. know what I'm we did watch all the episodes and we you know I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, I think. Well, it's enough to talk about it. You guys yeah, are like, yeah. you guys enjoy kind of hating. Well, on which it. every week we just like, dude, what the fuck happened to that shit? How like, worse see, can it get? You know, it, for me that it, that show used to be Sons of Anarchy. Mm. Like, uh, I, I never know. saw that. I watched it all, and it was. I only start. I got into it late just because I, I needed something to watch on the plane, and it's like the most terrible like man soap opera out there but after you invest like two seasons in you're just like it's again it's like this trashy drama thing you're like i gotta see what happens next (laughs) and then six years later you're sitting there like what am i I doing with my left i think there's five or six i don't remember anymore but it's it's fucking garbage and i've seen it all (laughs) i did see i also saw the new zoolander movie on the airplane which was oh my god dude it was so bad. Like it's just. It was after. Our, I wish I could take my time back from watching that. It was so bad. Dude just did not come close to the. Even though I know it's supposed to be silly and dumb, but it was just really poorly done. Yeah. No. I mean, <sighs> and it was too little, too late. You know. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I saw there they announced a new Super Troopers movie. Oh really? Number two. Have you seen this, Cosman? Uh, no. You keep going on about this. 
Well, I, I remember we were, we were at John Muir one night and I was talking, you know, because like I'm, I think every American that's under like 35 has probably seen it because it was like one of those kind of uh, porkies or yeah. whatever kind of movies back in the day. Like everybody sees it or Caddyshack and um, almost nobody here has seen it. Even the expats like the Americans are like, uh, really? I've never seen that shit. I'm like, how the fuck can you have never seen Super Troopers? It wasn't like a huge, it wasn't like a blockbuster comedy. Though. It was a failure. Yeah. But I mean, like it's such a why. cult. Yeah, it's a cult classic. Yeah. But so is Blade Runner. So I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. But I, I get, think, I I get think what Blade you're Runner, Blade Runner kind of came to people's attention later. That, that's uh, that's another one that's coming out. They got... Um, no way. What's the pretty boy? Driver. What's his name? Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. He's the star of the new Blade Runner. Are you serious? Oh, what's your man. opinion on that? They shouldn't touch that movie. Well, I, I don't know. I Who's think doing it's the music? a sequel. I don't know if it's a reboot. I could be wrong. Oh. Yeah, I think it's a sequel. Are they gonna, Still. Do you know if it's going to keep to the old school futuristic... Ridley Scott's Five, doing it, so uh, the music and which was like a huge. What was Ridley's Ridley Scott? Aliens and all that. Prometheus. Yeah. No, he did. Other, I think he didn't. He do the um, the Master <clears throat> or something like that. No, the Master. I got the computer yeah, here. Let's not... check it out. But anyway, the Google. thing is, is um, you know, I mean, listen. Uh, what was that movie called? Prometheus. It wasn't great. Uh, I wasn't a fan of that movie. But. Uh, the tone of it, like how it looked, how it sounded, the tension of it was great. But, I mean, of course, there was plot holes everywhere and all that. And... Dude, this guy does a lot of stuff. Ridley up. Scott. If you scroll up, it shows like the top movies. Uh, oh, he did yeah, The Martian? For these. Oh, he, maybe he was a producer or something. I don't know. I want to see what he's did. Should we go with writer or director? Let's say director. director yeah. yeah. The Martian was his... I didn't know that he was the director of The Martian. And then he did Exodus, oh, Gods and Kings. Yeah. Jesus Christ, The Counselor. I don't have high hopes Robin for the Hood. new Blade Runner. Though. Hannibal and Gladiator. Fuck, this guy sucks. <laughs> Gladiator wasn't bad. No, that was... Hannibal was... I don't was know that it too. warrants a rewatch. Now, that's the thing that movie's from 2000. A lot of the movies that like were passable back then aren't now. And that was actually when we were talking about Autarker's Tri-Repita earlier. I was thinking of... I'm never going to start a new website or anything, but it's like I kind of like the idea of going back and reviewing albums that are 10 plus years old to see how they stand the test of time. Yeah. You know what I mean? We're just talking about the Radiohead album as well. Oh, yeah. Let's bitch about Radiohead while we're at it. Did, I haven't heard that new one. I didn't listen to it, but there's a music video. You that. said it was bad, right? I I was really excited to hear it, and I. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't want to antagonize anybody because a lot of people no like antagonize it. away. Here's the thing: they can listen to us, but we don't have to listen to them. <laughs> <laughs> There's another thing: I don't really like guitar music, and I was you kinda, don't like guitar music. I don't, I don't like guitars. What's your I problem? Oh. I don't know, dude. There's something wrong with me. Like I don't. But I you don't like? like let me guess. You like the Cure or Morrissey? No. Okay. So go on. All right. So. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I was kind of hoping that this was going to be like old modulars and weird shit and, um, Tom York's vocals, which would have been great. Uh, but it wasn't. And that same day when I listened to the new album, I also re-listened to, um, Kid A, which I thought was a milestone and it's still an incredible album. It's yeah, it's an incredible album and I really love it. And I was just 
disappointed by the new one. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I think the last one that I listened to was probably Hail to the Thief or something, and that's where I kind of stopped paying attention. And uh, I don't know. Were you ever a Radiohead fan or not really? Um, not like a diehard fan, but I like some of their music. I can't name songs. I'm the bad. I'm the worst with names, but I did like Radiohead. I don't know anything like latest stuff. Yeah. I have no idea. All I know is I uh, thinking back. I just had a pop in my head. Tom York did the the Boiler Room. Did you guys ever see? He did that? a Boiler Room. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess he's a DJ now too. Oh jeez, what do you play? No, I mean, I I met Tom York for like ten seconds. He yeah, was, uh, yeah. He was he was he was visiting the the Mode Selector guys, and I was <clears throat> um, I was actually recording this podcast with the Machine Drum. This is like four or five years ago. Uh, when we had studios like right next to each other, and uh, yeah, time Tom York popped over and uh, to say hello, and uh, we briefly met him. And do you shake his hand? And say I don't like guitar music. I couldn't. I couldn't <laughs> say it to his face, dude. Like uh-huh. he, he was just like, it's too intimidating. Yeah, you're just like, uh, who are you again? Then he'd probably like you even more, though. That's the thing. Yeah, you it's know? like Tom, Tommy. Ta- Tommy What's your name? To, to, Thomas, Thomas York, Thomas York. Yeah, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. The thing about Radiohead is that um, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, when it's like, what kind of causes an artist to go creatively <laughs> bankrupt? And I feel like, uh, well, I was telling you we, when we had this discussion the other day, when an album like Kid A came out, not only were they going to say we're not just a guitar band anymore, but you could tell that they weren't just trying to make an electronic album. Like there was something going on where they were like completely inspired They Like they ended up going out to the right parties or hanging around different people. And you could feel that through their music. Whereas as time went on, I think maybe the, the excitement or whatever they were getting into at the time was no longer present. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's totally not, I mean, it's, I'm pretty sure it's not true, but I do visualize like all these guys in like in someone's living room in Cotswolds uh you know with a very scenic view and like all in cardigans and like playing each other like um some riffs you know and like, just jamming just jamming what and you, then what, what do you think about this one yeah just having some you know pinot noir and like it's it's you know this is this is the kind of image that it conjures you know it's I've I've read some some really rave reviews about it, and obviously I'm not listening to it in the right way because you know people listen to the lyrics and you know they they have a a pretty different um, way to to enjoy and like appreciate that that music and those harmonies and whatever. Uh, I was just you know kind of hoping for something that's as groundbreaking um, as Kid A. Yeah. See, and that brings up what we we're talking about earlier. It's like you always compare it to something that was like obviously really good, but then, I mean, who's to say that Radiohead is not? You know, they're probably really proud of this new album, and you're like, it's shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, not, you know, well, the, we're all no, I'm not saying to our own opinion. No, that's what I'm saying. But like, you know, you, you're trying to say that they're not as groundbreaking, or you know what I mean? And maybe they think they're doing something different, or you know, dude, like, compared wow. to if if you if you actually listen to uh, to Tom York's uh, Boiler Room set and the charts he that he was the charts that he was he was posting, he was really into the Hessel Audio stuff <laughs> and like Machine Drum, a lot of Juke, a lot of you know like 
really contemporary stuff. This is why I was, you know, expecting this this album to be more electronic, more electronic. Yeah. So he played juke stuff. Dude, just check it out. Like he was, he was, he's That's really, really into that stuff. And wow, yeah. Well, and just the fact that now. he, just the fact that he, he collaborated with the with Mode Selector and like. Uh, oh, that's right, yeah. with the Adams for Peace or whatever. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Was that an album or a group or a, I don't remember what the hell it was. That was that was like a super group. That was uh, Tommy York, uh, Flea, uh, <laughs> Google Flea, the damn. Google the other two, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's crazy. I thought it was just something to do with the um, what is that? thing in switzerland the fucking circle that's going to take us into a black hole oh the 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 hadron hadron collider collider. yeah (laughs) yeah didn't they stop it because some like squirrel got into a dude they're stopping and starting that thing all the fucking time but they said like some squirrel got into this important piece and like messed something up and (laughs) ridiculous i have a security problem (laughs) by the way adams for peace was tom york flea uh nigel goodrich uh joy Vornacher, I don't know, and Moro Rafosco from REM. Anyway, um, yeah, the, the thing about CERN is like when you look up the pictures of this large <clears throat> Heldron collider, right, whatever, yeah. it looks fucking incredible, like straight out of a, a sci-fi movie, which because it is essentially. Mm-hmm. But I remember the day that they wanted to start it up, and then it like it either the day before it didn't work or the day that they tried it, it didn't work. Basically it's like the Berlin airport that's never going to open. And then it was delayed a year and a half, two years or some shit. And every, like every once in a while you hear a story in the news, how they're like, Oh, it broke again. And it's going to be down for 18 months. You're like, just fucking cave this thing in weren't, already. Weren't people protesting it? Cause they said it was going to create a black hole. Well, it was totally possible, yeah. but it, it didn't obviously. <laughs> um, um, you know, I'm not, <clears throat> I I'm, I haven't kept up on my scholarly ventures into yeah. the world of physics, but uh, I'm gonna just say that I I don't think if if squirrels are getting in and busting up shit, it's not gonna happen anytime soon. I don't know if but it at the exactly same time squirrel, maybe that that sounds like something, something out of like Hitchhiker to the Guide to the Galaxy <laughs> or whatever. It's like something that stupid does cause like half the fucking universe <laughs> to sink in, you know, just like some stupid squirrel. I got semi-famous because of uh, because of the CERN thing, you know. When they announced it, um, when they announced the big breakthrough, mm-hmm. they actually used um, oh for the God particle. Yeah, they actually used uh, Comic Sans as a font for their presentation. Are you serious? And it was so early that I was and I was up really early and I saw it like live and I tweeted it. I was like. If if they actually use Comic Sans, if all these the, like the brightest scientists in the world they use Comic Sans for their presentation, <laughs> yeah, no shit, right? Then the world is going to end right now. <laughs> and I got like a bunch of retweets, and I made it into like the BBC the web page and really? Huffington no Post. Shit. Yeah, yeah, like because, trending. Yeah, because they were like, oh my god, <laughs> all these guys are bitching about uh, the, the scientists font. using the the font like oh, this font. Funny. Do you guys do you guys know Lars Funk Devoid? Uh, not personally, no. He uh, he was on, I think it was BBC, but anyway, uh, the first A380 plane <clears throat> that was apparently taken off to go to Australia or something where the engine caught fire and it, uh-huh. uh, where it became known as a thing. He was on it. He was on the news. And it's just like, wait a minute. <laughs> fucking, it's funked to void. And uh, I'm sure if you Google it, you can find, uh, find him on there. But it's just kind of funny to see like <laughs> friend being on there. 
being like, "Wow, well, I don't know freaky. what the fuck." That would freak me out, though. Yeah, I gotta say though, the, the uh, for people that don't keep up on this shit, the A three eighty is like one of the newest planes that is out in the fleet for people yeah. uh, flying on all these airlines and stuff. The nice thing about it is that it's got bigger windows, which you yeah. don't really realize that on an airplane the windows are small as shit until yeah. someone tells you they're small as shit. Uh, but it's cool. But the planes are kind of lame otherwise. I think I've been on a, on a few times in, in on Delta flights in the states. They don't have three eighties yet. Really? Yeah, I think the biggest they have is seven sixty seven. Okay, I, think I, I know I've been on one of the Singapore new ones, them. but yeah. like it had the windows were bigger compared to like a normal. Yeah, room. yeah. You can see the whole world. <laughs> I can't wait till they make like a a bottom like glass. Oh, I don't need to see that shit at all. Imagine? Like, I'm I'm scared of heights. Like when I'm or up in the open, air. Or open uh, like a see-through ceiling. It would be cool ceiling. like if you're on a train or something, that'd be cool where it's like you can see most of the shit that's going on. That would be really awesome. But um, I really, you know, I've been up like, is it the Sears Tower where you look down and it's like glass? Maybe oh, the, yeah. I think also doesn't, uh, what's that tower in Paris? The Eiffel Tower? The Eiffel Tower? Don't no. they have a see-through? No, I don't think Anyway, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, you go to these places. Oh, I know in Tokyo there's one in one of the like umpteen go, million Like towers. you go out to the ledge, right? And, and you look over and you're down. like, yeah, this no. fuck this shit <laughs> of you, you know? Um, I can't, I can't roll with that. <laughs> You know, I got but, vertigo. I can't. I, oh, I can't yeah. look down. Like it's. Oh man! Speaking of vertigo, so I I did this photo <clears throat> shoot uh, like last September or something like that, and against my better judgment, I did go out the night before. I mean, I think we were supposed to do the shoot at like eleven a.m. and uh, I went out. I, I I got up and I was completely hungover, uh, not much sleep. Just it was, I was not camera ready. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I'll have a little bit more sake. And um, long story short, like we go and do it, and it's kind of working out. But the sun the sun starts beating down, and naturally I was wearing my finest of black clothes because that's what techno DJs do. <laughs> so I'm just burning up as it is because it's still nice out, and I'm sweating, and I'm I got the, like the biggest fucking headache from the hangover, and because I'm afraid of heights. Uh, I'm sure it was thrown in an interview or into the universe, and he says, uh, all right, let's have you stand up here so I can take some pictures from down below. So I'm standing like up above this staircase. I think the pictures are maybe on the Internet now. You can see some of these. And I got the whole ver- – like that's the first time that I really, truly experienced vertigo. But with the fucking hangover, you know, oh, it's, a, it's not a great thing. And uh, I mean the picture turned out cool, but some of them you, you can tell that like I definitely am not comfortable just because it's like – I'm pretty sure I'm about one second away from falling two stories and eating shit, you know, <laughs> and uh, it's a real deal, man. I mean, I think you told me about that when you were taking the photo. You're like, yeah, you can kind of see that I'm nervous standing on I'm this buckling ledge. a little yeah. bit. And, yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. I mean, uh, there's another guy that uh, did some pictures recently. I won't I won't mention his name on the air, but he took some <laughs> pictures and you can just tell him like, you didn't go to sleep the night before your shoot, did you? <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing. Like, in the, like you know, some of these uh, going out in uh, Berlin and these other cities, you see these like model girls that are pretty attractive and whatnot. Like, they party their ass off, and like they'll go out all night and they're like, "Oh yeah, I gotta be at a photo shoot at ten a.m." And I'm like, "How the fuck do you do that?" Like, I get that you're like twenty two or something, of but like. <laughs> Dude, there's still like some things that the you know you can't hide from the camera. And Photoshop, dude. I guess so. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's that's what it comes down to. But I'm just like, fuck, dude. 
I, I couldn't do it, you know. And especially for them, they have to do all these like unnatural, sexy positions. Yeah. And uh, dude, I do have this gripe with um, um, photo shoots when it comes to DJs, and they have to do like crazy uh, poses and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't. Like if you're a model or an actor, or like you know you're you're gonna be the next star in the Avengers. Like I think it's cool to have like a certain pose. But for a DJ, but for a DJ, like, like I steel. keep, <laughs> I, Magnum. I keep saying I I keep seeing these like new um like new um press picks every day from. <laughs> Um, from all these DJs and they're like either looking up or looking down or like looking really grim or like really unhappy and it's always like <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm, th- I'm thinking about the fate of the universe I gotta like, tie my fucking is- shoes one of these days <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just like it's so it's it's a bit pathetic like I don't I'm not behind this at all I'm not but I'll tell you one thing when I I'm did one of these of shoots yeah well if you see my pics like I'm kind of looking down and you know even the photographers like looked on it Look down towards your feet or you know towards my feet mm. and i'm like oh god damn it i really don't want to do that shot but when you're going through all the pictures you're like fuck that is one of the better looking shots i don't think that i i kept it in the end but you know it's because i don't know there's something about it also like how you position your chin and stuff oh, i'm no, not, I'm not yeah. mr photogenic so i don't mm-hmm. really follow this stuff so much but um i hear what you're saying and it, it actually this this brings up an interesting point because uh you know the industry is Definitely in these days, because it's so big now, um, a lot of it's built on perception, whether you like that or not. And you, you take into account some guys really like to go fashionable with this thing or, like you said, do the crazy-looking pictures and shit. And I guess if it was all only dudes walking around in UR T-shirts and, like, you know, looking grumpy or, like, you know, they just roll off the couch – it wouldn't seem so like grandiose or fun or real. I kind of like a little bit of this. Uh, I don't want to say putting on a podium, but you know what I mean. Like make it a little bit bigger, make it a little bit more larger than normal life, sort of thing. I, I, I find it ridiculous, but at the same time, I, I think that if it wasn't there, it just wouldn't be as special. I just think not, not, not all of us look like prime for that stuff. You know? Well, yeah, but I mean, the thing is, is especially... <laughs> like I'm one of those, though. No, I hear you. I mean, and the other thing is, is, you know, we've all been doing this for a while now, all three of us at the table. We came up in a period where you didn't have to worry about that shit. Yeah, that's if true. You're, if you're 21, 22 now, I'm guessing that's maybe part of the game. I yeah, don't know. You know what true. I mean? Like, I know when I do these festivals and stuff, like, especially in Germany, you got these, like, tech house kids that are, like, 23, 24. They're not really known outside of Germany, but they're fucking huge here, pulling double the money that I'm getting <laughs> and stuff like that. And they show up and they look like dumbasses with all this, like, uh, I just call it tech house gear and stuff, you know, the <laughs> pants, and you know, the look and the big yeah. scoop shirts and stuff. But I'm like, well, I don't know if they showed up wearing like an Under Armour shirt and a North Face jacket or whatever. They would just be like, this kid's kind of boring. You know what I mean? But like for me, that's comfortable because that's how I grew up. It's not not fashion. Yeah. But I mean, that's the other thing. Like, honestly, if I, um, you know, if 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 I'm going to go, I've had it where I go to the gig and I just don't put any effort into, I don't even, I don't shave for a couple days or comb my hair and you show up and you're like, the laziest looking sack of shit in the place. You're just like, I don't know. 
But does that really matter? No, it does. It, to me, it doesn't matter. But it's just like you look around and everybody's like, not all the time, like at a, a real techno party where people are dressed to sweat, it's yeah. totally fine. But yeah. some of these things you show up to and everybody's dressed to the nines and they're all looking tight. And I'm just like, fuck, dude, I just woke up a half hour ago in my hotel <laughs> bed because I, I, you know, had a big ass dinner and I'm barely ready to do this. But you got to pretend, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Cosmo, you just came back from Japan. <clears throat> yeah. I am. Yeah. Tell us about the gigs or any cool stories or cool stuff you saw. Oh yeah, I was I was jet lagged for about seven days of the ten that I was there, and I kind of I was kind of okay um, the the day I had to fly back. So that was kind of a. Bummer. That's how it goes, though, right? I mean, it didn't used to be like that. Like this. Yeah, this but is, you're old now. Yeah, this is this is getting worse. Yeah. Where did you play? Sure. I played um so I played a I played this club called Sound Vision or Vision for short. And it was um it was a weekend uh that was put on by uh, uh Deckmantle. Oh, um so they did they did some shows at uh two clubs. Uh one of them is brand new, it's called Contact and it's really really cool. Um, I think it's you know it's run by the the same people who used to run Air, oh, and okay. the like the sound system is fantastic. Like everything is really really great. You know it's it's Japan, it's Tokyo. Nice. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed my time there. I just wish I wasn't that jet lagged and generally <laughs> fucked. But yeah, jet lag's a bitch. No. I mean I I would say you know uh, last I was in Japan I was alone. And I, I've been to Asia since then. I went with somebody else and had a great time. But when I was in Japan and Tokyo specifically alone, I I still saw cool shit and I really enjoyed it. But that's when I realized right then and there, like, okay, from now on, whenever I come out east this far, I have to come with somebody. Yeah. Whether it's like, you know, a tour manager, a girlfriend, a best friend, whatever, my agent, like, because it's such an interesting thing that, like, you want to kind of share that experience with somebody, mm-hmm. and it can get kind of lonely out there. Because, yeah. uh, I mean, that's, like, pretty much the... These days, that's culture shock, and in, in, that's the only place I'm going to get it, really, put it that way. I actually, Well, I mean, I had it a little bit, I would say, in Israel. And not even that it was all that shocking, but just I wasn't so used to, like, such a... Uh, heavy uh, Jewish religious influence, uh, you know, because in Minneapolis there's not a ton of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Japan, like, there's, you know, there's no Latin letters or whatever the, the Western alphabet is. Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? So it's like you, you're completely just thrown out there. Yeah. I mean, there are areas where you go to and it's like Outback Steakhouse and like all these <laughs> chains and shit um, from America. But for the most part, you can get into some pretty wild uh, places out there, and you, you don't know what the hell you're doing or you know anything. Yeah, I think I, I, I think it's really nice to just kind of share the experience with someone, and also I think you, um, you're, I think you, you would check out a lot more things if you had someone to kind of yeah, that's true. Um, you know, share the burden of cultural shock with mm-hmm. you know, like even if you if if you just go into some like weird random izakaya like restaurant or whatever if you have someone with you to kind of you know share the experience with and like talk to when your food is getting prepared or something like that you know just 
to not feel that awkward as the you know the the white dude walking into a <laughs> like a specialist uh, you know yakiniku place or something like that and you're just you know it's weird yeah Definitely. that's like that's that's also cool like if when you have the promoter that's with you that knows you know where to take you and speaks english which is like kind of i guess we're a bit spoiled in that sense too you know you're in tokyo and like there's people that probably travel to tokyo or japan and like have no one to take them around and they're just kind of going off maps and books of what to see and dude that was like, me my first time yeah <laughs> so i've you know been lucky enough to where i've been in japan and had people show me around and all the cool places and stuff like that but yeah, as far as experiencing stuff, like... Yeah, well, you were just cool. in Asia. You got anything yeah, you want to talk about? <clears throat> um, I mean, tell us where you were, all that stuff. You went yeah, out there with your agent, right? So yeah, recently um, I did uh, some gigs in Shanghai, Beijing, Hong Kong, and also Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. Man, I fucking love Hong Kong. Hong Kong was awesome. We did uh, four days there. I did one one gig, but stayed there for four days to check out the city and hang out and... It was really cool. Shanghai, two days. Um, Beijing, unfortunately, was just one day. But we were able to go to the Great Wall of China China, and uh, walk around, and it was pretty pretty awesome. Nice. Um, and uh, Malaysia, we stayed an extra day there and you know checked out the city. And then um, we went to this island called Redang Island and had a nice little relaxation chill out on the beach this like amazing oh yeah amazing saw, saw beach. pictures it looks pretty awesome it didn't ever it was just like you didn't want to leave you know it was like paradise there's this family that cooked for you breakfast lunch and dinner and there was like no tv in the rooms the wi-fi was horrible there so you were some, forced to sit on the beach Perfect. yeah you know which was cool like there were there was cell phone um reception there but it was pretty bad but enough to like you know post some pictures on instagram and make yeah. people jealous a couple break posts that yeah, kind of thing that's all you like, really yeah need. this is where i am right now and you're sitting on your cubicle like hating me probably <laughs> you know but yeah. it was it was fun man it was really good like i honestly had i didn't have any expectations in china and malaysia and but they really surpassed what i kind of kind of expected but i didn't really what about party wise anything. Yeah, that's what that's what oh, that, I'm saying. Okay, like so not that, not just uh, yeah, like the, the island part general. was amazing. Yeah, yeah, but but even even the cities in in general were were pretty incredible. Like a, a lot a lot easier to get around than I thought it would be. Um, especially Hong Kong. Like, there's just English is everywhere. Almost everyone there yeah, spoke well, English. What people don't realize is that Hong Kong is actually a very like big a, expat yeah. city. Um, I didn't realize it until I got there. I had no idea. It's like, uh, you know, someone described it as bustling, and I think that's a great way to put it. Like, yeah. it's, you know, I mean, it's a massive city. There's, it's split up by two different islands, and yeah. they're kind of wide. Yeah, we were on the island. That's where we Kualun or Hong Kong Island, Hong I think Kong it island. is. Yeah, yeah, that's where I stayed as well. Yeah. And we um, Sai Ying Pung, um, yeah. the, that part of town. And um, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, uh, yeah, I really hope I get to go back someday. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, so. I would I would love to go back and hang out more in Hong Kong for sure. Like Beijing, Shanghai, <clears throat> um, they were really, really cool cities as well. But I felt like that was a lot more 
Chinese, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I would need like a tour guide or someone to take a, to take me around and um which the promoters they did, but if I were to go there by myself, like yeah, I would need someone to kind of show me you know where to go. It's and there's such big cities versus like Hong Kong, you can get around on the train pretty easy and and Hong actually Hong Kong is not that big actually. No, it's 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 not that big. The the cities are not that like you it's can very get concentrated. Yeah, but. exactly. So um the parties were definitely like really good, good crowds, um good vibe. Like I was really surprised and uh really excited if uh you know, if I can go back that'd be really amazing. Nice. If it's a regular thing, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys uh buy any cool shit when you were out there or I unfortunately didn't. I bought like a ton of matcha stuff. Like yeah. matcha chocolate, like matcha Kit Kat, matcha everything. <laughs> Just all fun. day, air day. <laughs> actually, the, actually, the only cool thing I did buy was for my nephew. I bought him a little kung fu outfit. Yeah. Which he like, put go. on and was like, he loved it. And That's awesome. You're the coolest uncle now. <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is from Hong Kong. <laughs> and he was like super excited. Yeah, it was, that was really well, cool. Well, that's the thing. Like, when you're young, you don't really, you can't fully grasp concepts of what other countries are. You just know that it's, like, fucking far away. It's like another planet. Yeah. Like, I remember, I don't even know how old I was. I want to say, like, maybe five. And uh, a family friend, their grandma went to Canada, you know, which <laughs> is just directly north of the United States. And I don't remember even what I got, but she was nice enough to bring me a gift back from Canada, which was probably... Maple all syrup. of two, yeah, <laughs> it, all of two dollars. It was some sort of toy, but I thought it was the craziest thing in the world. I'm like, well, I, you know, this is from another. Country. I didn't say fucking, but I'm like, you're in fucking <laughs> Canada. Like, well, this is so cool. I don't even know what the hell that is, or where, or like how far. But you just know that it like that's a a different place. Yeah. Like it's a fairy tale land, and then you get older, and it's basically america but a little nicer <laughs> with slightly different social problems you know what i mean but back you know or like if you if you're like oh so-and-so went to norway you're like what the fuck is that is that a city next door like you just don't know any grasp of this stuff yeah but. you don't realize how how far away it is as you're a kid you know yeah <clears throat> but the thing is is and i i'm guessing you can get this in la but like especially if i go back home um family or friends uh, you know, I, I was used to driving 45 minutes a day to work in a cubicle in the office and stuff. And then I, I just go out a lot, uh, not even necessarily just to, to clubs or bars or whatever, but I mean, just, I like to be out and be active. So it doesn't bother me to drive across town to get to something or whatever. But then a lot of times in the States, you got people who are like, Oh, I don't know. It's a bit far away. And it's really like a 15 or 20 minute drive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that happens here in Berlin. They're like, you want me to go across town? But the thing is, nobody has cars. So like with public transportation, if everything runs right, it can be a 40 minute trip. But if it's like really a 15 minute car ride, they're like, oh, I have to go all the way across town to get to that store. And, you know, someday I'll get there and I'll pick it up like it's this big fucking task. And that's an LA thing too like people don't want to leave their areas you know well I think that's an everywhere thing but I can especially see in LA considering the traffic is so terrible yeah like I have friends that live in like uh, you know a friend that lives like the Riverside area which is from my house is probably like a 45 minute drive and he will probably 
not want to leave his area you know like if there's something going on like oh man that's like a whole thing and which i understand but a lot of times i'll I'll drive anywhere like i don't care even though i hate driving (laughs) but uh i'll go anywhere like i you know i don't have any like nothing to hold me back you know he's got a kid and Sure. Other friends that live in like other parts of LA, they're like, "Oh, I gotta drive all the way over there." It's like, "Come on, dude." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you know. Fortunately, you know, we don't. Well, I my studio is a bit far from here now, so it's mm. a pain in the ass for me to go to the studio. But your studio is at your house, yeah. So like, you don't have to drive to an office. There's a no half commute. Hour and, yeah, yeah I go to next to the next bedroom. That's my commute. How you doing over there, Cosman? All good. Yeah. Uh, All right. I don't have any stories from LA. When was the last time you went to LA? The first and last time it was like 2013. Oh, oh wow! Oh, I do have I do have stories from LA actually. Yeah. Anything interesting? Can you tell them on the air? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, (laughs) It was um, it was right when the when when that dude got fired from uh, from the TSA and came back with the like uh, with the. Rodney Dangerfield? Oh, Rodney King? The guy that shot up the airport? Yeah. That was that long ago already? Yeah. So, yeah, we had to to walk. Like, my agent was with me at the time because he wanted to check it out as well. And uh, we were both, like, really jet-lagged. I finished my set at, like... Four or five in the morning, something like that. So it's six, six or seven in the morning. I was, I was still up. I was watching the news. And then I see this thing. As it went on, you know, this guy was like shooting uh, around in the airport. So I call my agent. And I'm like, Hey, Dion, are you watching this? Like, does this guy like, does uh, um, this you know terrorist, whatever? Because it wasn't really clear what was going on. They didn't know who that guy was. And so we're we're watching this whole thing live, and it was it was really stupid. But we're both jet lagged, and the the only thing that could go through our heads was like, how do we get to San Francisco? Because that that was what my, my next game was. <laughs> I was like, how how do we how do we get to San Francisco? Like we had to catch a flight. Like I have I have my gig there, um. and. So we we were we were both so concerned about it that we actually went to the went to the gym and the the, the swimming pool. <laughs> we're like, yeah, I think I think Tara 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 was promoting the thing. I was oh, like, yeah. yeah, I think Tara's got it under control. Like this this thing is gonna go on for the next few hours anyway. So mm. we might just you know hit the hit the spa. It was like a <laughs> like a super cool hotel. So. Um, yeah, we got we got like really nice and soaked, and like after a couple of hours, we came back to the to our rooms, and we we spoke to Tara, and Tara was like, "Everything's under control. Like we're still gonna go to the we're, we we were actually trying to rebook or like uh, go to San Diego, catch another flight to to San Francisco, and the airline wouldn't actually um, they wouldn't acknowledge that anything wrong was going going on at the airport. They were like. Yeah, but the like the the flight's not canceled. I'm like, you have a like a terrorist thing going <laughs> on, going on like as we speak, and they were like, yeah, but the flight's, flights not canceled. Still... Like it's still like if you want to cancel, you're gonna have to pay for a new one. I'm like, I don't, 
how is that going to work? Like the, the airport's going to be closed. It's going to be shut down. Everything's going to be shut down. It's a major terrorist attack. Like, yeah, yeah. So how do you? And they were like really, really, you know, calm and <laughs> serious and like so. Do you want to rebook like out of your money? <laughs> like, wow. No, forget it. And so we just, um, <clears throat> as I said, we were really concerned. So we 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 just went to uh, like um, have some <laughs> have really some brunch. <laughs> That's some brunch. Um, well, when life gives you lemons, right? <laughs> yeah, went went on top of the the standard, right? Uh, we had a good time and. So it was it was time to it was time to board. Uh, it was time to go to to, uh, to the airport, and we get in the car to drive to the airport to LAX, and that's when we find out the hard way that um, like a whole perimeter around LAX had been sealed off, like I don't know, like ten blocks or so, and so we just circled around the airport a couple of times. We couldn't find a a breach, you know. Yeah, yeah. So we just had to walk for like four or five miles, oh. just hoping that you know the flight's not, uh, you know, th- that it's still gonna take off. But yeah. there were like so many choppers in the in the sky. It was like it's, there's no way anything's gonna take off today. And we did actually manage to get to the airport. Uh, we left like a few hours later, but oh, know, okay. still, it was. It was an ordeal. Jesus. Fuck. So that's L.A. for you last time, huh? Wow. Yep. I didn't know that. I had a question come in from Connor. This is actually for Dave. Uh, you probably have been asked this plenty of times before, but what's the difference in approach when it comes to producing a truncate track versus audio oh. injection? I answer this question too many times, time. man. Do you even still do audio injection? Maybe that's a better... I really don't that much, to be honest. I just kind of been feeling the truncate vibe more. It's, you know, a bit more classic, timeless kind of sound. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's it's hard to answer that question now. But before, it was like... I would just... Big room, maybe? Built up? Yeah, the audio injection stuff was the big room kind of sound and a bit more, maybe a bit more current sound. And... I would start making tracks in the studio and in the end is when I would kind of make a decision whether I was going to take it, the audio injection vibe or something, unless they ask specifically for an audio injection track or, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, your tracks seem to be getting a lot deeper in general lately too. I mean, yeah, you still put out bangers. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but you know, like in, in, in also for you, your track, I think across the board, it's getting maybe a bit deeper i mean you know there's a lot of the younger guys like i i got a lot of stuff recently from cleric he's a lot of it's banging super but it's, heavy but it's yeah. fucking cool i've been yeah. playing him out you know but i feel like you know so there's there's some people there's still a lot of cool banging stuff going on but i think <clears throat> maybe i guess as you get we all get a little older we mellow out maybe i don't know that or we just yeah i think that's what it gotta is change it up. and you know your your taste change as well and like, like the ne- I think the next record that I'm putting out might be something different that would people would expect. I'd say it's the most different record yeah. on Truncate, yeah. but in a good way. Yeah, that's um, that's what I mean for Truncate. It's, it's probably a bit different, and um, yeah, hopefully people would like it. <laughs> that's why there is a bit, you know, the B-side will be the bit more banging kind of tune. The easy to please for the classic Truncate <laughs> fans. Yeah. yeah. But, 
you know, but that track I was sitting on for like a year, which I think I told you, I was like, did I ever send you this? And you're like, no. no. <laughs> I was like, oh, here we go. Here yeah. it is. No, it's cool. Yeah. So, uh, you guys want to get into the technical shit for a minute? I got some of those questions coming in. Sure. Why not? All right. So if you're listening and you don't have a damn clue about production stuff, feel free to fast forward for about 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, Dylan wants to know uh, if you got favorite pedals. Mm. I guess, you know, effects boxes, whatever. Hmm. Cosman's shaking his head. You you got something? I do. Well, I, I'm not a massive pedal head. I'm not a massive pedal collector. Uh, but I do use uh, some. I like the, um, um, the Eventide H9 harmonizer thing. It's it's got all the um, um. well. While we wait for him, I can say my favorite pedals. Uh, algorithms. Al- That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> algorithms. <laughs> so it's got all the algorithms. All like, right. Uh, delay, reverb. Oh yeah, uh, but you can like buy you can buy new ones and shit too, right? Oh yeah, obviously I yeah. I went completely over the top. I and got you, the, might, you just. Basically bought the H8000. Yeah. Is it that yeah. white one with yeah. the big knob on it? Yeah. Yep. Okay, That's I've seen one. that before. Yeah, I think uh, if you don't really need to do a lot of tweaking live, it's a great option for that stuff. But you're, you're feeling that? I'm, I'm using about three of those algorithms. Of course. <laughs> but you bought them all, so. But, oh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> uh, and Just so I, I wouldn't miss out on anything. Yeah. The cool thing about it is is you can actually, um, I think it's got Wi-Fi or something on it or Bluetooth. So you Bluetooth, could, yeah. You can go on your iPhone or Google Android phone and go to the store and, like, download a demo of it. And it automatically transfers to the pedal. You can test it out and you're like, ah, oh, this delay is whack wow. and then you don't have to pay for it but if you mm. like it you just buy it and it transfer it sends you an apple receipt damn that's so amazing yeah which is kind of cool um so you, you got that one are you feeling anything else or well i had the uh, one of the uh, i had two or three of the strymon uh pedals as well those are really cool but, yeah um, I, I love those they're essential for me yeah dave you do pedals at all i do not own any pedals wow yeah I just, I'm, the, all, I'm all digital effects, man. VSTs. Yeah, you're a UAD guy, though. You got a nice sound card, right? Yeah, UAD and uh, Sound Toys. That's like my. Those are my. Yeah, my I go-tos. use Sound Toys a lot yeah. too. Um, I mean, for me, I have. Uh, I've, I've bought quite a few pedals. The Eventide Space is. Uh, it's an expensive pedal, but reverb is expensive, and I gotta say, it's like, if you get that. It's uh well actually there's there's other pedals that suit different things. I also have the Strymon Blue Sky, which I use also in the studio. Um but that's more lush whereas the black or what it the no, black hole is the VST version of it. But the space is just this crazy you get all this wild shit going on. No, I think there it's was a black hole hardware. Well that's a that's a like a preset that's or whatever on there or an algorithm. An algorithm. Yes. Yeah. What was the actual pedal called? Space. Oh, space. Okay. Yeah, it's because uh, I have I have the plug in the black hole one. Yeah, so yeah, really I do too. Awesome. It's yeah. cool. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I like that. I have the Strymon Blue Skies. I said Strymon Dig, which I think I'm getting rid of. I've actually been in the market for a distortion pedal because I have the TR8 and I never use the damn thing. Mm. But I kind of want to like dirty it up. I've been um, distorting it through like a Mackie mixer. Yeah, well, that's that, cool. I was doing it through my Boss yeah. BX16 oh, or something. Yeah. That's how I did my Thomas Schumacher remix. <clears throat> But um, 
I talked to Elias from Scudge, and he uh, he recommended, I think, this Empress multi-distortion effect thing. I was going to buy it, and then when I went to the store to buy that, I saw the Korg mini log and spent my money on that <laughs> instead. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely, if, if anybody out there has good ideas for a distortion box that's not too over the top, send it in to me. But uh, this, this the second part of it is this guy writes, uh, he has a, a Blofeld Waldorf, Waldorf uh, the space and a TR8. What would you get next? And like, you know, how do you record the sounds and in, into it, tr- like bring it into a track? Um, he was thinking an octa track, but was also thinking the analog four. Thing is, if you get a synthesizer again, then you still have no way to record shit in. Um, so I don't know. I mean, either your your options are basically something like an octa track to record that shit in without the computer, or if you're down with using the computer, just get a decent sound card and record into the like Ableton or whatever you're using. I would vote for the sound card, really. Mm-hmm. Probably. Uh, UAD. Right on. That also reminds me, it is getting a little bit later in the show, so I guess we'll wrap it up shortly here. Uh, <clears throat> we already went into Cosman. You're, you're doing the States real soon. What is it, four or five gigs? It's four four gigs. All right. Um, four what, days. What day is it? Is it Monday? Today's Monday. Okay, this show will be up this week yet. So are you guys uh, on the road in this weekend or anytime soon, or you got any dates or podcasts or anything you want to plug? Yeah, I'm I'm doing a, I'm doing a Slam Radio podcast. It's going to come out this week as well. Probably the same day, Wednesday. Um, <laughs> Convenient. <laughs> yeah. Um, then I'm playing a couple of shows next weekend in uh, Cayenne, uh, which is... Uh, like one of the French cities I've never played I've never been to mm-hmm. uh, and it's a great lineup it's a great festival I think and then the very next what's it day, called alright so it's the venue is called Le Cargo okay mm-hmm. but nice. um, alright and then it's it's uh, Krakow the next day uh, it's been a minute like I haven't been there in dude a while. I haven't been there in a minute actually uh, yeah when I was in Krakow last time, did not end well for the Zana, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I came home with a concussion and a burned hand. But that's a story yeah. for another podcast. Oh, <laughs> stay tuned for the I, next episode. Oh, that's that sounds very similar to, to my last time in Krakow. I was actually, yeah, I was like the last thing I remember from Krakow. I gotta go to Krakow. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah dude. <laughs> it's, it's a very special place. Like the, the last thing I remember from that. Uh, show was me being shoved into a taxi by James Blake. He wasn't that big at the time. <laughs> it was just like we were just trying to get back to the hotel after an epic night in the in the green room. So it was just like bundling me into a taxi, and we we're just kind of I don't know making out in the backseat. I don't, know, I don't remember. <laughs> Damn, he's cool. James is cool. Yeah, I've yeah. never met the dude, but uh, I don't know. That's cool. So it's kind of cool, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, okay, how about you, Dave? You got podcast, gigs, whatever. You're off to um, India, right? Yeah, this weekend I'm off to India for the first time. I'm uh, playing in in uh, New Delhi. Uh, initially, was going to play in Mumbai on Friday, but that got canceled, unfortunately. So I'm doing a show in New Delhi and after party. And then, uh, yeah, movement the week after. The I'm not playing at the festival, but after party. At the works on Monday, so you probably catch most of the droid guys there. We'll be hanging out and playing a show. There's an interface on Sunday at the works, 
and I'm playing Monday night for uh, these guys, um, Dirty Epic. And um, they're doing a 50 weapons thing with Fano, um, me, and then Faulty DLs playing. And uh, yeah, and a special guest, which awesome. they're not going to announce till. Because it's a special guest. <clears throat> exactly. <laughs> nice one. Uh, any podcasts coming up or anything? No podcasts. Records. Um, nothing. Release um, remixes. There's, uh, yeah, the next Trunkay record coming up, which probably in August. A um, couple remixes coming up, but that's, yeah, it's still kind of up in the air. I don't have any release dates yet, but you just follow my Facebook. I'll be posting all that stuff, the previews and all that. Right on. Yeah, yeah. I, you know. When you were talking about uh, Detroit and the Detroit crew hanging out and whatnot, brought up something off the top of my head. Uh, a lot of people, like when they come out to parties, they're kind of shy to to say hello. Mm-hmm. But you should just go up and say hello because it's you know the other people can be equally shy. Like Cosman and I ran into this like a week or two ago. We were at a little tequila tasting and some tacos and shit like that. People like say something, but you turn around and you're like. You know, we're like, yeah, hello, and they, it's just this really awkward, like, back and forth, and you just move the fuck on. It's like, yeah. just come up and say what's up. Yeah, High five. True. Uh, You know, I mean, you don't necessarily need to go into uh, D.U.'s Ableton. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Will you do a remix for me? Leave that shit at home, but, you know, just come up and say, say what's going on. You don't got to be awkward about it. Yeah, uh, that's true. Some people just get kind of shy. Yeah, the, the other thing you got to remember is, especially in at least in, in the techno genre, a lot of these people are... Uh, people that were basically, I don't know, nerds in high school or whatever. And so they're just as awkward as you are, so don't expect <laughs> them to, to step it up. Yeah. So. <laughs> True that. You guys got anything else you want to say? Uh, that's all I can think of right now. All right. You know, I usually set aside one part of the show. If you want to say anything sexist or racist, this is your time to ruin your career. Cosman? I'm, I'm super... You guys are out politically correct like it's there's super no pc way, yeah we're not gonna get any uh headline news on this episode all right fuck you guys and we're out fuck everybody thanks for listening uh they'll both be back on the show before before long so go hillary clinton you gonna end on that note dude <laughs> no don't take me seriously <laughs> all right all right you guys have a good one thanks for stopping by thank you peace thank you bye-bye